0: hey everybody Cal and Dan here uh, so we got our draft King show coming up first and after that uh, we had a great time chatting with Alex Castle from Old Dominic distillery and uh, man was that a good time and are they making some good liquor uh, I guess she's blending good liquor right now but if it's anything of what's to come uh, once they uh, once they're able to crack their uh, crack their first barrels open I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, we've been having a great time with uh, with some guests on the show, also doing some blind tastings. And, uh, you know, so far, Healing Station, man, that is... Uh That may be my pick of the year so far, Dan.
1: It's definitely holding up. I mean, I'll tell you, uh, I think, you know, we were, you and I were both introduced to it fairly recently. Um, Like you said, I think, um, you know, somebody told you, if you can't find Weller, stop looking for it, go for this one instead. And then we started putting in some blind tastings with their single barrel and holy cow, it's like, wow, this stuff's kind of blowing us away. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah, It's really holding up well and doing well in our blind tastings. And again, when we're sending these things out to folks, I mean, we don't, anything that we're sending out, a lot of it is, uh, Sam that we get from from distillers and, and blenders. But it's nothing that we wouldn't buy ourselves and, and keep on the shelf. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Hewling Station is holding up really well. And, and to your point, that was uh, the bourbon snob, friend of the show. He said, <laughs> "Man, quit, quit chasing that Weller that you can't <laughs> find, and you're overpaying for it. And go give the uh, Hewling Station Weeded Expression a try." I believe he sent me a sample first off, and after tasting it, I'm like, "Yeah, we got to get Alex on the show and talk about this stuff. It is that fantastic." So, yep. uh, so yeah, so enjoy the. DraftKings show. Enjoy your chat with uh, Alex, and we'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, blue glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription. Trust me. If you don't, you will fall out of balance. Welcome to Birdies and Bourbon. Sit down and have a sip. Welcome back, everybody, to the Birdies and Bourbon show. Uh, Dan, West Coast Swing, is finished and we're heading to Florida. But before we do, uh, I'll tell you, coming into 18th, and max homa misses that uh, that little three-footer i'm like oh shit let me go pour another drink we're gonna be here all day with these guys <laughs> between between fina and homa i'm like man this could go on for a while but uh, but hey seriously congratulations to max homa yeah absolutely. Uh, second pga tour win so uh you know he he, uh, he he shook it off man shook shook off the miss and uh Came back and uh, pulled it off. So, good, uh, fun tournament.
1: So, Faldo made a comment when he missed the putt on 18. Um, you know, he, They were actually calling it before he shot the shot. He's like, you got to go, go to the right. You got to go a little to the right and that kind of thing. Then he made the comment. What do you think? If you left the pin in, would it would it have gone in?
0: I don't think so. No. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. No backboard. No so. Backboard. I mean, just, nah, I don't no. No. So. <laughs> nah, nah. Come on. Uh, uh, you know, either way, I mean, you know, he. Uh, I mean, he won the tournament for sure. Uh, played. Uh, played. Had a hell of a round uh, on Sunday. So, uh, yeah. You know. I. You know, who? Who is it? Who did it impact? Uh, who did it impact more? Did it positively impact Homa more, or does it negatively impact Finau more? Is this is what is he's like seventy two tournaments without a win, so
1: yeah. But I mean, if you look at you look at top five Tony, but I mean, he's more like top two Tony these days. I mean, good Lord, he's, <laughs> been, he's been crushing it. I mean, he, that man has been he's been cashing a lot of checks. I'll tell you
0: that, that absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like hey, you know, you can get you can win or you can get uh, second place five times. What are you taking, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Give me mean, I mean, g- 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 second. G- Give me second. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I thought with the broadcast on the second playoff hole. When Homa hits it left and it goes behind that tree, the way yeah. they were describing it, I was I was like, I was kind of packing my stuff up. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna to go, go outside or whatever. Because I thought he was just pinned against the tree. Yeah, the next thing I know, yeah. he's on the green and two. I'm like, what just happened? I thought he yeah. was done.
0: <laughs> yeah, a little, little little misleading in the in the in how they were describing where his ball wound up. And you know, maybe I, I know there's limited cameras out there. So, you know, maybe they just didn't have a good view of it or a good angle on where the ball was. Because yeah, I mean, if you're looking, if you're looking on the back side of the tree and you don't see the ball, right? It kinda leads you to you know leads you to believe okay, he's in he's in really bad shape. I am sure Tony was hoping he was in bad shape.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then um just getting on there too. two. I mean Tony when they were someone like the aerial of that the of the chip, um out of the out of the sand that Tony had, I was like, that, "That's a tough one, too." There was not much room between, you know, where the pin was and where he was with green.
0: Yeah, that that course, man, it uh, it it surprised a lot of folks. I think. Uh, I'm mean, not going to have an easy course that they're heading to this week, and, and they haven't seen it. I don't know if anybody's actually played it or not. Hadn't seen it, you know, from a tour perspective. But yeah, just between the weather and uh, and the course setup, man, they were having a, a struggle bus for sure. Uh, whom I won and done, I sure didn't get a, I sure didn't have back to back wins with uh, Mr. Adam Scott. He struggled throughout the week. Uh, oh, speaking of one and dones, I was getting a lot of, uh, I got a lot of text messages from somebody li- leading into Sunday with uh, coming in, Mr. Kokrak in second place. Oh, uh, the, the, the heckle bus Gosh. was, uh, was full steam ahead.
1: I, I thought, uh, I thought he was at a great, at a 36, he was T2, T2. When he uh, uh, got you, that Chipotle and I do it went too
0: well. <laughs> <laughs> pulling a fee out there you were cashing that check before, oh. uh before finish the round
1: pull that rabbit out of my hat man i was like oh look at this coke rack oh yeah He said i'm gonna ride this way i was just hoping for like a top 10 oh no oh no <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that was um that was a tough showing i think adam was like in the uh, around 42nd or 43rd i think where he's yeah finished, right? i think i beat you by like down.
1: ten thousand bucks I, I wanted to well, make okay. you like like three hundred thousand <laughs> bucks last week you know <laughs> that didn't work out too well <laughs> Oh, it did it, 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 it did not work out. He did at least make the cut. But you know, I was hoping for a top ten out of co-crack for sure. Uh so did um did anybody take uh, Speed Airlines off of the island last week, or do you, what do you think? Because you know, Virgin, Virgin <laughs> Islands was founded because Branson couldn't get off of the Virgin Islands. He's like, and he had to like charter a plane or something, something along those lines, right? And a new airline was born. Are we going to see a new airline born off of Speed Island, or what's going on? Uh, here?
0: It's possible. Well, you know, he did not. He didn't actually qualify for the WGC this right. week. Uh, however, there could be a sponsor's ex- exemption. I think there's one spot left. I, I didn't see if they had announced. Uh, if they've announced who is going to be getting that, but uh, I mean, just in recent form, I mean, that guy's still—I mean, he's still at a solid tournament, uh, especially compared to where he was prior to the last three. So, uh, yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. You know, pe- people want him at the tournament. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah,
1: I don't know. He's... I mean, obviously, tons of improvement from where he was, right? And uh, we hope we hope the best for him. I'm just, uh, yeah. I had I had high hopes last week because he was he was up there, and the, you know, at the end of the first two rounds, he was doing great, and then. Uh, and they kind of fell off or whatnot, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. DJ couldn't exactly. get one either. <laughs> Whoa, the, that guy—he had a rough day on Sunday. At uh, what did he? He had like uh, five, six bogeys or something mm. like that. Something. It was, yeah, it was not uh, not his best showing. But hey, again, he's heading to Florida this week. Uh, back on back to Bermuda Green. so uh, I don't, uh, I don't see that impacting him uh, in, in any way. What about that? The restart was kind of funky, huh? Uh, you know, where they stopped and had to come back on, you know, because it's because of the weather, but, uh,
1: That was really funky because like four hours of this wind, right? And it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that was, that's tough. I mean, a wakes up, uh, burns from a nap and, uh, yeah, you know, just kind of, yeah, really, really tough, tough day.
0: Was it it more was, he was delivering pizzas out there. (laughs) eh? Uh so, uh so yeah that was uh that
1: was, was a good one did you see the big cat
0: uh oh boy did i uh yeah i think it's going to be a little while before we see him again uh just uh, a lot of the um a lot of the a lot of the news out there was uh he might have might have stopped by the dispensary on the way to the course <laughs> that morning because yeah he was um he, it was very, it was rather interesting looking and, and kind of watching him deliver. And, and uh, again, he, he definitely didn't look like he was feeling a hundred percent.
1: No, yeah, I'm surprised he went through with actually making an appearance. Cause he didn't, I didn't, I mean, he didn't say anything wrong and everything was fine, yeah, right, but right. he did not look that good. And all those answers regarding the golf questions were not what you wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah. I, I lengthened my putter to be the same as my witch. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's all I've done in terms of golf in the last, like since this year, you know, it's
0: like, Whoa, exactly. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so do you yeah, think, even when we do see him in you know, all kind of forms, he are going to be in, right? Do
1: you so, think we'll see him in Augusta?
0: Uh, based on yesterday, I don't, I, don't I mean, that so, was, uh, yeah, that, that was a pretty, um, uh, without saying, uh, I'm not playing. Uh, I think he said, I'm not playing and And I don't think he's coming back. If he's not, if he's not a hundred percent, I don't think he's going to, you know, jeopardize, uh you know playing in the future for you know no. one tournament right so yeah i i would i'd be surprised if we uh if we see him uh at augusta and you know when's he coming back i don't know maybe mid-year i mean does he make the trip to um does he make the trip for the open you know i mean sitting on a plane which you know, i mean he's flying his own plane so he's got obviously he can be comfortable but yeah i i, I don't know man didn't uh didn't look promising there
1: yeah well else we got come up in the show
0: uh, what else we got coming from the show? Oh, so we, uh, in a couple weeks, uh, we haven't announced this yet, but we'll have a show dropping on Friday. It's going to be our barrel pick show. Mm-hmm. So we had an opportunity with, um, uh, with Alan Katz from New York distilling and, uh, uh, Rochester elite Rochester, New York elite barrel pickers club. I hope I got that right this i I always screw that up, but, uh, yeah, we had a great time recording with those guys. So we did our barrel pick uh live on the show so you'll get to kind of walk through watch through or listen through however you like to to digest our shows uh kind of our barrel picking process i think we had five we had five or six samples that we went through so i was uh, i was definitely ripe at the end of that (laughs) one so uh uh, but yeah really really fun process uh, you know, just kind of doing that. That's our, our first barrel pick for the show. So it was uh, a yeah, real, real fun opportunity. And uh, we'll look to continue to do those uh, for, um, for the remainder of the year. Uh, we're going to do uh, a major series release. So mm. uh, this one is, you know, kind of scheduled and tied around the masters. We'll release some more information about, uh, you know, what we're calling it and, you know, that kind of thing, but uh, really good juice. And uh, yeah, it should be uh, kind of a uh, collector's bottle, if you will. But uh, yeah, something to uh, look forward to. So if you're interested uh, and you want a bottle, again, it's uh, one barrel, right? So so limited from a, uh, from a release standpoint. So if you're interested in a barrel, uh yeah hit dm us and let us know we'll uh we have the list is has started already so it's uh, yeah, pretty pretty, it
1: pretty well in too yeah so act fast yeah. everybody if you want one yeah. just dm yeah. us on either twitter or uh instagram and uh, Cal gets you on the list for that or whatnot. But yeah, that was a fun show. Uh, we released that on Friday. Like you said, um, I thought it was outstanding juice for sure. Yeah. It's, it, nobody's going to go home disappointed. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then we're going to get Alan back on the show mm-hmm. just to do uh, just to talk about New York distilling. So that's, yeah. uh, that should be should be fun. Kind of take a little deeper dive into uh, into his history and uh, and New York distilling. So, yeah, good stuff. Uh, What else is happening? We got uh, we got a bunch of tastings coming up with uh, with some tour caddies, with uh, some other sports figures. Um, So be on the lookout for those having a great time. We appreciate the uh, participation from the folks that are coming on. Um, I can't think of anything else that's happening. Am I missing anything?
1: um no i think i think that covers most i think with the, the barrel pick coming up uh, a lot of great tastings we had um kevin kramer on last week uh that'll be releasing here probably next week i'd say um but that was a lot of fun right
0: yeah yeah absolutely yeah uh yeah ton, a ton of fun man that was uh we, we i think he had a good time too so yeah looking forward to, uh, to getting that out well let's, uh, let's go to florida Florida, here we come. So as previously mentioned, uh, first time at this course. So we don't have any course history, Uh, by the way. Thanks, uh, Fantasy National, for providing a platform for us to capture all our data or to to research uh, from a data perspective. And uh, we're heading to Bradenton, Florida. Uh, The course is concession. It's a Jack Nicklaus design Uh, It's going to be, I think it tips out about 7,500 yards, uh, Bermuda greens, water comes into play on nine holes Um, and something unique about the name. It's uh, so the, the, again, the name of the course is concession and it's a, what's it's a, it's a putt that Jack Nicklaus hit, right? And he,
1: no, it's a, it's a named in recognition of the uh, Jack Nicklaus's concession of a two foot putt to Tony Jacklin on the first, on the final hole of the Ryder cup in
0: 1969. Yeah, there you go. Gotcha. Uh, I I knew I'd uh, stumble around. Oh, by (laughs) the way, this was voted. The hardest course in the Tampa area oh, by boy. the Tampa Business Journal. I
1: have to redo my lineup. <laughs> 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 Got to get, um, get Bubba out of there.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, no, no kidding, right? And uh, That's so a joke. I guess, He's actually in my lineup.
1: He's staying in my lineup.
0: <laughs> uh, so I guess one one thing to note here. So we you know t- we said no course history from a from a PGA Tour perspective, but Bryson DeChambeau. Did beat C.T. Pan at this Mm -hmm. course and the 2015 uh, NCAA championship. So, you know, uh, for what it's worth, uh, you know, Bryson has won at this course, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure it'll be uh, set up a little more challenging than it was for the NCAA. And it's
1: a second shot golf course, so his second shots are being hit from a completely different place than they were back then.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Hey, which is a good point. So most of the, I think all but one of the par fives aren't really reachable in two. Uh, you know, maybe, but but generally speaking, uh, you know, they're not reachable. One of them questionable, you know, he'd be a guy, DJ, McElroy, et cetera, that um, you know, that that might get there on one or two of the par fives. So uh, to your point, so what you know, in looking at this, I mean obviously looking at recent form. Um, and then, you know, really, you know, ball striking and, you know, who's, who, who hasn't been putting good because they're moving over to Bermuda greens this week. So we should start to see, uh, some of the, some putters you know, get, get hot, uh, once again, but, uh, yeah, for me, this is like, this is ball striker heaven, man. I mean, it is, uh, you know, um, uh, proximity to the hole and uh, you know, strokes gained uh, as far as approach goes. So
1: yeah, and one hundred percent second shot, uh, not too difficult off the tee. grouts aren't going to be that bad. I've heard that uh, the greens can get a little tricky, but we'll see. You know, that's just could be speculation. So
0: yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Uh, what else about the course? Uh, I think that's about it on the course wise. Let's uh, let's get these picks in, man. Oh, oh. Well, by the way, I did win a little bit of money last week. Uh, I did had one guy that didn't. I had one guy that missed the cut. Uh, who was
1: that? Yeah, I had two missed the cut. I had Bryson missed the cut. Oh my god! I know. It's like how
0: the hell does that even happen?
1: He's but, a California
0: uh, kid. What the hell?
1: <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. I picked, the, I picked the wrong California kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no
0: kidding. Yeah, uh, I did have Homa in my lineup though. So that's that good. was that's uh, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, pretty solid. Pretty solid. Uh all right, man. Let's uh so in the 10K and higher range, so you got DJ, Rom, X Band, JT, McElroy, Cantley. Uh I don't have any of those guys in my lineup. Mm. Um, uh, you know, I mean, the, and so interesting enough, I mean, the bottom of this field, oh, it's a so uh, this is a no cut event, 72 players. So everybody's playing all four days. Uh, I didn't see Ricky Fowler's name on there. Did
1: you? <laughs> uh, no, no, I didn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's. Like, oh man, you mean I got to stay and play the weekend? Get me out of here! <laughs> Get me off the list. <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah, so I don't have anybody in the ten thousand and higher range in my lineup. Obviously, there's great options there. You got DJ number one in scoring, X Man number two in scoring, JT number four. Um, and that's, uh, and, and for everybody uh, who John roms at five, you got, uh, you got Rory and Cantley that are 19 and 24th respectively. So a little expensive for, uh, I think what you get there. And once again, man, I mean, this is going to be, I, I'm, I'm excited for this because it's back to back. I mean, we've got just outstanding fields and, and yeah. we're going to get to watch some great golf. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to see a new course. So, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I do have somebody in that range. I took the Rombo. Um, so I loved what I saw last week. He shot a 66 on Sunday. Um, and he's coming in strong, man. And if you look at him, he's been secretly. And I, hey, it's, it's hard to say Rom's been secretly good. <laughs> but to me, he hasn't been like leading Damn. or winning. And it's like, well, where's this guy been? Well, if you look at the history, he's been right there. <laughs> Let me read you like the last five or six uh, tournaments. So last week, he was fifth. 13th at the waist, then he went 7th at Farmers, 7th at Century, 7th at the Masters, and 2nd at Zozo. It's like, okay, he's been like top 10 every week for like seven weeks. I mean, it's like, holy cow, that guy, it it is going to pop for him eventually. Because, I mean, we've seen him win before, but he's due for another win, in my opinion.
0: Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, man. Wouldn't yeah, and then in
1: this field, so we don't have course history, but using fantasy national last twenty-four rounds in uh, in this field here, Rom is shots gained total third, tee <sighs> the green second, ball striking first, off the tee fifth, uh, DK point sixth, and putting 49th. So yeah, I, I I just I liked what I saw on Sunday. I'm like this guy, this guy's he's coming for it. Yep. What you got?
0: Uh, I got to scroll on down. I'm, uh, I'm landed at 9,400 bucks.
1: Well, anybody else? I mean, uh, do you like everybody up there? I mean, I think Rory scares me a little bit after last week. Um, uh,
0: I I'm shaking that off, man. I, I don't, I don't think that's, there's going to be any challenges. No, I mean, I think everybody there makes the cut, so I don't, uh, I don't foresee any challenges. Um, what about
1: JT has two tournaments in a row for him. He's kind of like, <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, I, I don't know. I mean, he's coming off what, a couple weeks ago, his grand grandfather died. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, you know, that, that, Obviously, it explains that tournament. I I mean, I mean, a lot of people struggled last week, so you know, I mean, it's uh, yeah. I I don't know. Again, I think it's a little uh, expensive for me for what you're getting because the you know once once again ninety four hundred dollars in South. I mean, there's a lot of value in there.
1: Yeah. What and the other Uh, guy? So these the hottest guys I say in the top top five here. I mean DJ obviously Rom. And then I, I mean, Cantley's been playing lights out too, man.
0: and that that was my struggle right there. So I've got him in a secondary already, uh, as uh, as my guy. But you know, again, I had to you know kind of yeah. had to look for some uh, some bargains on the back end, uh, throwing him in there. But yeah, I, I think Cantley is, to your point. I mean, he's not sneaky good. Uh, but he's, that dude's playing some really, really good golf. Yet yeah, DeChambeau, who missed a cut last week, again, mm. I kind of, uh, you know, see that happening, but, uh, uh what can't was 15 last week, third, second, 13th. Uh, so yeah, I mean, his worst finish this year, uh, has been 15th and that was last week. So
1: yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable.
0: Uh, so I'm going with, uh, I'm going with hobby, man uh um, so yeah victor hovland fifth last week second at the farmers um that's i mean it's there right it's just when's it gonna happen i mean that guy's playing he's playing just too good uh we haven't seen a lot of him uh for the year we've seen him recently but when he shows up man that that guy is uh, now that one he is sneaky he is playing sneaky good
1: oh yeah Oh, yeah.
0: And at $9,400, you know, I don't, I can't, uh, can't really, can't really get away from that guy. You know, maybe questionable as far as scoring goes. I've got him at 21st. Everything else, you know, it's pretty uh, kind of, uh, you know, better, better than average. And, uh, you know, he's uh, excelling at uh, off the tee. That's his, uh, that's his best, um, his best category. So,
1: yeah. I go all the way down to eighty three hundred. I think you got.
0: Well, it. Yeah, hold on. Let me brag about uh, let me brag about my boy P Reed a little bit. <laughs> uh, so he he did win. Uh, he won this tournament last year, but obviously it was in Mexico. He didn't win it, uh, you know, at this course. But uh, I mean, let you know his his last time out. Won the Farmers. He did miss the Amex, which is a little questionable there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I'm, I like Pat's game where he's at. I like what I saw the last time out of him. Again, I think this is going to be more uh, more of a ball striker's golf course. So, uh, you know, it, it, anything driving-wise, I don't think it's really going to penalize him that much as long as he can uh, steer clear of the water on those nine holes. So Yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, where's uh, Patrick Reed? So, seventh in draft King points, fifth in putting, uh seventh in short game, seventh total in strokes gain. So
1: yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, I got an eighty three hundred. I
0: think you got him too. Uh well, hold on. Uh my next guy, next guy is Kalamurakawa. Oh. <clears throat> Ball striking, man. And that dude is doing it. He's doing it just as good as anybody else is. I mean, he's uh, you know, I I think he's hot. Um what is he uh he's second in the field on strokes gain approach? Um yeah, I I think we get another uh, another great round out of uh out of Colin Morikawa here. As long as his putter's cooperating with him, I think we're in pretty good shape. He's T forty three last week. Uh, seventh at the Sony. Uh, it's kinda getting bad, it's in January, but uh yeah. Just looking at where he's at on uh, 31st in points and 67th in putting so again but moving to Bermuda I mean I think this is going to clean that up for him uh, he's first in uh, you know first in approach so again that's kind of why I'm, I'm leaning on him from a ball striking perspective.
1: Nice nice solid solid pick he, he was riding that cut line for me last week and he made it. Thank mm-hmm, yeah. goodness oof, yeah. oof.
0: Uh, lots of other good folks. In, I mean, I like Berger here, uh, Webb Simpson, uh, like him here. You got Fleetwood coming in again. You got Sunjay. He was a little shaky you know, last time out. But uh, once again, I mean, it's, you know, there's no question about that guy's ball striking. So I, I think he'll – He'll get that. Uh, he'll get that right. And so we haven't seen him since. Uh, waste management. sub uh, waste management. Yeah, has 17th, 32nd at the Farmers, 12th at the Amex. So.
1: That's what scares me a little about some of these guys, like Webb and Fleetwood and Sunjays. We just haven't seen that much of them lately, I don't think. Yeah. So. Yeah. In, in terms of good form. Like, it's like yeah. they might have played a couple of weeks ago, that kind of thing. But just, uh, they might have been waiting for this Florida swing to kick off. And this is a warm up, you know. So, yeah, that's why I still, still I think, clear.
0: I think Cam Smith's a solid play here. Oh, God, Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, he, he can get a little hot and cold, but, uh, you know, he plays. I, I mean, he plays well in these in these uh, uh, in these tough fields. So uh, you know, I I think uh, I think he's definitely a good one to look at.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, is Max Homer going to play this week?
0: Uh, it's I mean, he's listed. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, obviously he can bounce back. So, uh, you know, hey, mm. it's kind of hard to say no.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Fitzpatrick looked pretty good the other week, didn't he?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: when he finished. He finished uh, fifth last week. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Really nice. Uh,
0: yeah, nothing for Hideki, and then uh, and then you got, the, you got the next guy. Yeah,
1: probably. I got Sheffler at 8,300. So within this field here, last 24 rounds, according to um, Fantasy National here, shots gained total, 23rd, tee to green, 19th, ball striking, 24th, off to tee, 11th, around the green, 9th, 42nd putting, and 16th draft points. And then if we look at the last couple of rounds, last week he was 20th, and he was 7th at the uh, – waste management and then 80th at the farmer. So uh, I just like the, the trajectory coming off of um, waste management into Genesis and then now uh, he had a little bit of a rough comeback since the beginning of the year, but then the last couple of weeks have been really good. I think he's going to get this game together.
0: Yeah. I, I, likewise. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't have Adam Scott this week. However, he did fire a 66 on Sunday. So, you know, I don't think he, uh, he, he shit the bad man on, on Friday. Uh, what did he, he had a 73 and a 76. So, you know, that, that was kind of his uh, Friday and Saturday, but um, uh, yeah, I, I, I went a different direction and where I did go is Joaquin Neiman. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah. So he was at the Genesis. He was sixty-seven, sixty-eight, seventy-eight, seventy-two. So little, little shaky there. But um, uh, prior to Riviera, you know, he was. Uh, I mean, he, he he looked good. So uh, I I'm kind of staying with, um, kind of staying with current form. Oh,
1: Neiman, I got Neiman as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I think that's. Uh, what's he priced at? Like seventy, eighty,
1: one hundred. 8,100. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at the, look at these numbers here. Like last 24 rounds for Neiman, you know, 12th shots gained total, third T to green, third ball striking, eighth off the tee, ninth approach, 31st putting, ninth DK points. But all that for 8,100 bucks, I'm like, you're definitely a steal this week. You're actually probably, probably talk about you a little bit later in the show, too.
0: Yeah. 43rd at the Genesis, second at the Sony, second at uh, a tournament of champions. But, you know, again, I mean, that's, uh, yeah i i can't uh, i can't can't look past that guy man he's uh he's he's hitting the ball really really well uh, i got 7900 so you louio oh riding the louis o cardigan yeah. are you yeah florida resident right
1: I, I think he is uh yeah. last 24 rounds louis o uh, shots gained total 20th 29th tee to green 44th ball striking second uh short game 37th off the tee 11th around the green first in putting and 29th in dk points He was 11th at the Waste Management, 29th at the Farmers. Um, Those are his last, most recent ones since the beginning of the year. Which just—he's in really good form. I mean, 11 and 29. I mean, I I like that, especially for 7,900 bucks. I mean, that's to me again another steal. I love it.
0: Yeah, I went. uh, I went Ryan Palmer here. I got Palmer Uh, as well. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Did did you look at my lineup? Uh, Apparently so. (laughs) He's ranked second on tour uh, in in, uh, on average birdies he's got uh he's moved up to number 24 in the world he's got four uh uh, top four finishes uh in his last three tournaments that he's played in here we are again talking about ball strikers i think that's where we're going to wind up with this set that that's why he's there and and, hey he's going to make the cut uh all i need him to do is just get out get out and hit the ball
1: these are really good numbers here. Like, if you look at the last twenty-four rounds, I mean, thirteenth uh, shots gained total, fourteenth tee to green, ninth in ball striking for seventy-two hundred bucks in this you know, it's this field. Thirteenth uh, off the tee, eighth uh, DK points. I mean, that's just a lot of value for that, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean the only thing he's missing is around the green. But yeah. when you're hitting the greens, well, you don't you don't yeah. get to hit around the greens a lot.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Uh, who else is in here? Uh, you know, oh, Ortiz is my guy that missed the cut last week. So moving on there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you know, I actually like Leishman here. Um, I think that's uh, that's a solid play. Harris English at seven thousand five hundred bucks. I think that's you know that that can't go wrong there. Uh, oh, there's your boy Coke Rack.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he burned me last week. Oh, he burned me.
0: Um Yeah, you got Westwood making an appearance. Uh so we're you know, we're gonna get to see some folks that we haven't seen much of. Uh obviously they've been playing in Europe, but uh you know, haven't haven't been in the US. So
1: I got uh at seventy three hundred bucks uh Mr. Bubba Watson. Yeah. Uh he's he's from that area. He loves that area. He's gonna play well. He's uh, in against this field, 24 rounds, 31st uh, shots gained total, 4th tee to green, 4th ball striking, 7th off the tee, 28th on approach, 63rd putting, 41st in DK points and didn't play well last week but at waste he was 22nd so and the farmers he didn't play well either yeah, but, he, yeah.
0: he's missed two of his last three cuts and mm-hmm. i i played bubba last week and him being a three-time winner at riviera thinking like that, that just a shoe in right i mean mm-hmm. i didn't think there was any chance that this guy was uh that, that he was gonna uh I, I didn't see a missed cut coming from anywhere yeah well surprised the hell out of me
1: yeah, you you, you played a week early. That's what happened.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, th- thanks for the advice. Uh, I got to go down to the six thousands, man. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, so Abe answer uh, is my last guy at sixty eight hundred dollars. What a deal! I mean, come on, are you kidding me? Uh, let's see uh, his record. His WGC uh, tournaments, he was T four, T twelve, T fifteen. Um. And uh, I think he, yeah, he missed the cut last week at Riviera. Hey, so did Bubba Watson that's won three <laughs> times there. Uh, so did Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, again, you know, that guy, just his, you know, his uh, well-rounded game. I like, uh, I like where he's at and, you know, get uh, – and he had the weekend off, so he should be, uh, should be good to rested. So answers 30th in DraftKings points, 18 in putting. Uh, and uh, from a ball striking, he's twenty-seventh uh, in ball striking. So yeah, it's at, uh, at sixty eight hundred dollars. Uh, that may be the maybe the bargain of the week for me, and he likes uh yeah, so missed the cut Genesis, fifth at the Amex, missed the cut at the Sony. Uh so but I'm I uh I like answer at
1: sixty eight hundred. Nice. Could be, uh, this is gonna be a fun tournament. I like this one here. Yeah,
0: it should be. I tell you, uh, Sebastian Munoz at uh, sixty five hundred. Mm mm-hmm. uh, Matt Kucher at sixty four hundred. Brendan Todd sixty four hundred. Mackenzie Hughes at sixty four hundred. I mean, that's you know. So I, I didn't do this for my primary, but for I, I think I played I out on two or three other uh, secondaries, and I actually started at the bottom of the list uh, or the bottom of the of the salaries and work my way back up to who I could get because there is a hell of a lot of value down there.
1: There's a lot of value down there for sure. Yep. This is a this is a great field. Great field.
0: Uh, let's see. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see uh, you know how how the pros play a course that, uh, you know, it's not in their typical rotation. Uh, are we gonna, we saw a little bit of humbleness last week or this past weekend, right? From, from the weather, we saw, you know, the two guys that, that, that had the, you know, that, that were in contention to win the tournament, um, you know, they, they hit some good shots but they also hit some really poor shots. So I think, you know, from an amateur perspective, you kind of saw some, uh, some golf reality. Uh, with the with the two guys coming down the stretch there uh, even though you know I mean Homa was uh yeah he could, couldn't really argue with what that guy was doing out there
1: No, he played lights out I and mean, had some great shots um one hundred percent so let's take a look so last week I got am i one and done fifty one nine twenty five and then uh you got Scott was forty
0: forty seven or something
1: forty thousand four fifty
0: five yeah. Hold on. Not to go down. So I'm going to talk about Fee now for a little bit more. So Fee now he shoots 71, 67, 70, and then low round of the tournament 64. Hmm. I mean he's he's got to be kicking himself, man. Well, that, 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 that was on Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But I, I, that's what I'm saying. He's got to be kicking himself that that he couldn't close that out. I mean, again, shooting 64. Uh, what are you going to do to get to 63? But uh yeah, that, that that was uh he's gotta be uh he's gotta be feeling licking his wounds on that one.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um
1: What do you think for one and done this week on uh Bradenton?
0: Uh gimme uh gimme Hovland.
1: All right, you got him. I'm <coughs> taking Hovland. Neiman. I'm taking Neiman. How
0: are you? Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean like I think both Hovland's already won once this year, but yeah, I think both of those guys uh are playing too damn good not to uh not to get it, get uh, not to get another win or a win and another win. So
1: yeah. So what's going up on the show um, this week, Cal? Uh,
0: what's going on this week? Uh, so we've got uh, we've got professional caddy Reed Martin coming on to do a tasting with us. Um, uh, we've got uh, the man that revolutionized golf equipment, Barney Adams is coming on. So that's oh, yeah. going to be a fun one to, uh, to talk about his history and just his experience and, and, you know, revolutionizing equipment. So can't wait to chat with Barney. And then we've got a, um, uh, uh we've got, uh, brett from sagamore is coming on oh yeah and they've got a new cat uh, a new finish release coming out and we're going to sample that on the show so that uh, it'll you know, it'll be out in a few weeks but um yeah we're going to record that this week so uh loving that sagamore stuff and uh especially the uh the the uniqueness and creativity that they're Uh, doing with their finishes so uh yeah looking forward to uh to trying a new release from sagamore spirit
1: there you go man
0: Uh, outside of that uh you know business as usual man we're uh looking forward to all of our guests coming on the show and uh we uh we're, we're getting uh getting some other folks booked up uh, uh christy kerr uh we uh, got some samples from her winery in the other day uh, and no i have not drank them all yet oh. so so looking forward to having christy on and uh sampling uh some uh, sampling uh some of her wine um yeah man so should be uh should be some good stuff uh, coming out soon
1: there you go man there you go all right
0: well good luck to me this week dan you see go. you at the uh see you at the winter circle there you go cheers cheers bud Hey guys, this is Kevin Kramer. I am a, uh, big league ball player at the Pittsburgh Pirates and you're listening to birdies and bourbon. Welcome back everybody to the birdies and bourbon show. Uh, this is going to be a fun night. We've got Alex castle, uh, from old Dominic distilling on with us. And, uh, you know, we're going to get a little history on, on old Dominic. I'm not sure who's uh, who's drinking it right now. I think uh, you got a pretty good distribution range out there as far as states go. And I don't know if you're familiar with Alex or not, but uh, I hope I don't screw this up, Alex, but it's the first female head distiller. Is that right? Yes. In Tennessee. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so Alex and uh, and Zoe were kind enough, and and Old Dominic were kind enough to share uh, share some samples with us. So we're going to go, and maybe you'll. I'll. I'll. I will i will not steal any thunder. I'll let you uh, maybe tell us what we're going to sample in just a second, or may, we may want to talk about that first so we can uh, get to drinking, and then uh, then we can get the backstory. How about that?
2: Yeah, let's do that. I think it always helps to have a little bit of whiskey flowing. So. Um. So I would recommend starting with our wheat whiskey. First.
0: Okay, got it. Yeah. Um,
2: so wheat whiskeys uh, just tend to be a much lighter flavor profile, um, and it is also lower proof in our portfolio. So it's just a good one to start with. Um, if you start with one of the higher proof ones, you're, you're likely to not really be able to taste this
0: whiskey. So, okay. Yeah. So typically (laughs) I don't, uh, well, let me rephrase if, if it's something I haven't tried, typically I I don't try before I get a chance to get on and and talk with, with whoever's coming on. Right. I want to get the, uh, I'd rather get the story from the person that's making it and kind of, you know, walk me through what's that tasting experience like, um, let's see uh, the bourbon snob actually kind of turned me onto this and uh, I was looking for, uh, or maybe I posted something about a a Weller and what, and he's like, Hey, you know, stop chasing, Uh, try this weeded whiskey. So he, I don't that. I forget if he sent me a sample or if i just went and bought it either way i think he sent a sample and i tried it and i'm like holy shit this is uh
2: <laughs> this is good stuff <laughs> that's so, awesome
0: <laughs> yeah so so it's uh the the word is spreading so and enough about that so i'm gonna kind of say i'm gonna smell on this a little bit but uh let's hear uh what let's hear the alex castle story i mean uh, we got a lot to get into in, in our hour. Uh, I got a lots, lots of questions, and and uh, I'm, I'm very curious about uh, kind of uh, how why Alex wanted to make whiskey.
2: Yeah, um, so I am Kentucky born and raised. Uh, so, I, but there is no distilling history in my family, so I really can't say it's in my blood other than just growing up in the bourbon state. Mm-hmm. Um, But I also do remember when I was, I wasn't even 10 years old yet when my parents decided it was appropriate to take us to Maker's Mark for a tour. (laughs) (laughs) No idea because my parents didn't drink bourbon, so I really don't know why they wanted to take us there. Um, And I didn't like it. I I thought it stunk. And the piece of chocolate that they gave me at the end of the tour was very disappointing because it wasn't chocolate. It was bourbon fudge. And I thought it was, <laughs> oh, I thought it was so gross. Um, so it was my first foray into the bourbon world and it was not good. Um, but in high school, I um, had a little midlife crisis, decided that the marine biology path that I had been going down for years wasn't going to work out because I hated biology I just hadn't been exposed to it until then. And so I panicked, didn't know what I was going to do with my life and uh, discovered chemistry, discovered physics and calculus and uh, loved it. And so talking to my mom, she said, you can can study chemical engineering. That, that covers all those subjects. Sure. Okay, that's fine. But what do you do with it? I don't have the mentality to be a teacher. So that's that's not an option. So what do you do with this degree? In litter, and again, my mom doesn't really drink. First thing she said was, you can be a brewmaster and make beer, or you can be a master distiller and make bourbon.
0: <laughs> great, <I> said, great <laughs> guidance from a parent, right? I know. And I
2: was like, "Well, oh, that sounds amazing. And I, to this day, really still don't know what it was about it that actually intrigued me because I was 14, 15. So it's not like I loved bourbon at the time, Um, but it just, it sounded amazing. And so that's just kind of where I started. And then it was in college, I did a co-op with Alltech in Lexington, Kentucky, um, that at the time only had Kentucky ale. They didn't have Town Branch bourbon. and so I got to hop out on bottling days and, and get to be soaked in beer every other Friday and loved it. Absolutely loved it. But it was there when they installed the two pot stills um, and the distillery looked very, very different than it does today, but I got to start the distillery. They didn't have anyone. And so they let me spend two weeks with a retired distiller from Scotland um, and <laughs> taught me everything he knew about the industry. Um, and it was, it was during that time that I realized I couldn't brew beer. It wasn't going to be enough. I needed that distillation. So it was during that time. I just, I fell in love with spirits production and and knew that that was, that was it for me. That's, that's all I could do.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah. I mean, was it so you, interesting point? So when you, cause I mean, essentially in the whiskey making process, you, you get to a point and you've actually made beer, yep. right? And but but you that the, that wasn't a stopping point for you. You you wanted to see it kind of move forward and what what comes next, right?
2: Yep. Yeah, there was something about the yes. distillation process that just intrigued me. So much more. Plus, there's a lot less sanitizing needed for distilling
0: versus <laughs> brewing beer. <laughs> nice self uh, self sanitizing in a in a in a sense, right?
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: Well, this we did uh, again. I, I cheated a little, and I've I've had it prior to. I haven't had this particular uh, the sample that you sent me, but uh, you know, it's it's just a great uh, that kind of that honey fresh, uh, almost like fresh cut grass kind of on the nose.
2: Just I get. it. Real- I get a lot of grass. I get a lot of hay as well on the, yeah. the nose and the palate. Um, and that's one of my favorite things about it is that that hay characteristic. There's just something about that mm-hmm. that I love.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That that's a dangerous bottle. Uh, what it's, uh, what 90 proof I think, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We ended up doing 90 proof with it. Um, that just kind of seemed to be the sweet spot to give you enough. oomph, So it didn't taste watered down, but also
0: allowed those notes to
2: really come out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Enough oomph that, uh, it's like, boy, that goes down easy. And then, uh, you know, a few glasses in, it's like, Whoa, <laughs> it's, I'm um, starting to feel that oomph, right? Yep. So I, I want to get into something. So, uh, and, uh, just transparency. So I'm I'm originally a Tennessee guy from the complete other end of the state. Uh, I'm I'm from uh, from the Tri Cities area, but um, so you know, and just growing up in Tennessee, right? I mean, you got kind of the the two uh, the two big name distilleries, if you will, right, in in the central part of Tennessee, and and in looking at uh, you know, kind of you know what's uh, what's Hulling Station all about, and I want to get to the Hulling Station part in a minute, but. I didn't see anything about the Lincoln County process uh, with your current expressions. And, and for folks that don't know, you may wanna give a little backstory, you know, kind of a, the 30 second uh, high level. And, and, and are you doing that today or is that something that's coming in the future?
2: Yeah, so the reason you don't really see it is because on any of our marketing materials, because we don't have a product out right now that utilizes it. Our entire whiskey lineup, um, the Hewling Station line, was produced in Indiana. We're very, very upfront about that. It was produced at MGP. Um, but we do make whiskey in memphis and we do three different mash bills one of which is our tennessee whiskey and it does utilize the lincoln county process uh, you can't be a tennessee distillery and not, and not and be a whiskey distillery and not do that um, so that is coming hopefully it should be in 2022 and so we'll update all of our material to really really promote the fact that we do we we do everything you're supposed to do to be a tennessee whiskey
0: oh nice yeah, because you're the, uh, you, I guess you're either the first stop or the last stop on the Tennessee Whiskey Trail, right?
2: However you want to look at it, we are definitely yeah. at the end of it. <laughs> 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 One of the ends.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, this uh, this weed expression is just, uh, I mean, it's it, it's really good. And number two, so thank you for being transparent about uh about mash bills about what's happening with it i mean that you know again i think you can probably you know if you if you've been drinking for a while you know you can probably get a bottle if it's you know if people you know, oh i don't want to tell you what it is it's a secret kind of thing you know i, I yeah. guess you can you, you can kind of get to where ah, i'm pretty sure i know what this is and, and I, I don't understand the tra- that the uh the lack of transparency in some of those cases that that's for a different topic that that's just my opinion yeah. uh, but but i think people I'm right there with yes yeah. I mean, I want to know what I'm drinking. I want to know. I want to know how old it is. I want to know what's in it. And and for no other reason than, well, if I like that, well, what can I now go and compare it to, to buy something, you know, maybe that's like it. And if I don't know what it is, well, I'm kind of in the dark, right. I'm kind of reaching for different bottles. And, and it's almost to, to I would look at it from the aspect of, well, okay, I'm kind of randomly guessing. And if I've randomly guessed wrong two or three times, well, did you know the hunt that I went on, the whatever originated that hunt, did that kind of put a bad taste in my mouth? And it's like, well, uh, I, I'm going to go a different direction because I can't mm-hmm. find anything similar or, or like that. So yeah, yeah I, I think there's benefits. Uh, the, I think the benefits far outweigh the, the cons on, uh, on yeah, being I've, transparent.
2: I've never understood a negative associated with being upfront with where the whiskey comes from. And also the consumer in the last, call it 10 years, consumer has become so well-educated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Whether you see those good or bad, they have become so well-educated that people now know how to read a label. They know that if it says Kentucky on the front label, that it's gonna come from a Kentucky distillery and odds are you probably can narrow it down. If it doesn't have a state on the front, the consumer now knows to flip that bottle over. Mm -hmm. And they're going to find that distilled in statement. And it's going to tell you it came from Indiana. Mm -hmm. It says from Indiana, (laughs) there's like a a 95% chance (laughs) that it came from one distillery. So instead of hiding, like they're going to figure it out. So you know what? Just own it. Yeah. Why, why?
0: Why make them? Why make the? Why make your customer work for something instead of enjoying what they're getting? Right. I mean that. Hundred kind percent. Of, yeah. That's the. Takeaway. Well, then
2: I think they just make they they start to question the person that put the product out. Well, why weren't you upfront about it? Why weren't you honest? So so suddenly they're so distracted and trying to figure out your motives. You kind of put a really bad taste in their mouth for your brand, even if they love the product. I feel like they're they're starting to judge your brand, and that's just, it's unnecessary.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely uh, clouds the the conversation, right? I mean, instead mm-hmm. of talking about how good it is and what we like about it, it's uh, that the conversation is about where is it from and what is it. It's not really focused on what's in the glass. It's focusing yes. on what made what's in the glass, which is a kind of a disconnect to the outcome. I, I would think that you're looking for, right? So, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so all right, so we, we we said a few things there, um, and and I'm going to go back a little bit uh, to you talked about. Uh, uh, you know, uh, opening up a distillery, right? Kind of first, first shot. You're, you're, you know, it's uh, we're, we're starting this thing from the ground up. You got to work with an experienced guy from Scotland, and and then you kind of move on through your career. And if I'm skipping anything, you, it's your show. So you back, <laughs> you, you, uh, you you can always uh, backtrack on me. But so so we're there, and then you're moving on to so you go from a, a startup, right, uh, yeah. distillery, and now you're moving into a mature. Uh, one of the big fives, right? Yep. A- and, and that's, I- I'd like to know a little bit about what what's that experience. And then does did you take anything away? I'm going to give a, it's a, it's a giveaway, but did, do you have a, uh, do you have a, a, a Russell's imprint that was left on you and does that kind of feed through anything that we're going into tonight? Okay.
2: Uh, so what was it like for one of the big fives? Um, It was overwhelming Mm -hmm. and stressful because I came on board. I'm losing track of my years. (laughs) I feel so old at this point. Uh, It would have been 2011. And so they had just commissioned their brand new facility. It had only been, I think it had been running for less than a year at that point. So still honestly, with a facility that big, still working out the kinks, Sure. um, especially because it was, Almost 100% automated. So they were still working out programming kinks, all this kind of stuff. Um, and I came on as one of two production supervisors. The other one actually was one that helped commission the facility. And within two months of me starting, he got moved to a different department. So suddenly I was the only supervisor, along with my manager, for a 24 hour, six day a week operation. And I was brand new. Um, so it was a little overwhelming, um, and it, it was stressful because Wild Turkey has a, a wonderful reputation. Um, now at, I'm sure at one point people you know was, people didn't think as highly about it, but it's a well-respected bourbon, has a great reputation for quality, and all of that. And so I essentially was tasked with making sure we maintained that mm-hmm. um, from a distillate perspective, and so there was kind of a lot of pressure to to understand that and know what you were doing. But at the same time, it was phenomenal to be there to help work out the startup of this facility, um, even bring on new, there were new um, parts of production that still hadn't even been brought online when I started. So to be able to help get that stuff commissioned, uh, I really learned how to operate, run a huge facility. And it was amazing. Um, it was a phenomenal four years. I even because it's part of a bigger family um, of Campari. So there's Sky Vodka, there was Cabo Wabo Tequila and Esplan Tequila and all of these other products. And I actually got to kind of be exposed to all of those products. Um, So I got to do be part of product development tastings for I don't even know how many different Sky Vodka flavors. Because I'm, especially at the time, because I was in my 20s, I was their target consumer for flavored vodka. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and I was one of the only young female on the team. So I was always being asked to try the, the products. <laughs> uh, I mean, there could be worse things. It's just... Absolutely. You know, so I got to be exposed to that. I got to um, spend a week with a team from the Esplanade tequila facility in Mexico. They oh, came nice. up. And so I spent weeks learning about the tequila production, um, which just, it was phenomenal. I never would have been exposed to that. Um, so it was an amazing, amazing experience, but it, there was a huge learning curve um, sure. in this first, this first couple months. Uh, but it was, I loved, I loved every moment of it. Um, and as far as any like Russell imprints, uh, well, first my favorite thing about working with Jimmy is just his stories. He has a story for everything and he really never stops telling stories. Uh, So I just getting to have him sit in the control room and just tell stories all, you know, for an hour or two was, was really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, but honest, I think my time there showed me that I I do like the number four char that was, you know, Jimmy loves number four char, the alligator char. I definitely took that away with me because that is my favorite char. (laughs) Um, and so things like that, but, um, for the most part, I, I was more focused on, on the, the full production of it, so um, and not the aging, and that's where that's where Jimmy and Eddie spent most of their time. So,
0: yeah, sure, yeah. So, and, and I see every—I think everything that you release, right, from a from a bourbon or whiskey standpoint, is number four or char. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So, what are we moving to next as we continue to talk?
2: We'll do the straight bourbon. So that's the red, red label, um, that we have. And so this is, um, we like to call it a high rye bourbon because it's 52% corn and 44% rye. Um, so it toes the line of being a rye whiskey and we do bottle this at a hundred proof. Um, I, I got to that proof because, I'm a cocktail drinker, but I like to taste my whiskey in my cocktail. Nice. Um, and so the higher the proof, the the more it will stand up to any ingredient you put with it. Um, and also my husband loves whiskey on the rocks. So again, you start with that higher proof, you can do a cube, yeah. let it melt and you're still. Make, make its
0: own cocktail, right? Yep. 100%.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah this is like uh, almost cherry vanilla Coke kind of. Mm-hmm. So
2: all of our whiskeys right now are super small batch. They're only six barrels a batch. So they are going to all vary from batch to batch, but yes, our bourbon, for whatever reason, it, it gets a lot of cherry notes.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I sometimes get dark chocolate, too, which is great when you get cherry and dark
0: chocolate. Yeah, who doesn't like chocolate-covered cherries, right? (laughs) Even on, so, I mean, on the wheat, I haven't tasted this yet, but I'm still picking up, and maybe that's, maybe I'm not getting, like, the Coke or the soda. Maybe I'm getting smoke instead of that, Mm -hmm. like maybe a smoke vanilla, which it's, um, uh, because this is 100 proof, I think, so. Yeah. And everything's four years, right, give or take?
2: Actually, um, what we have right now is just shy of seven years.
1: Okay. Oh, wow. hmm. Yeah. So yeah, starting
2: this year, we're going to start blending in some younger vintages with it.
0: Uh, but everything will be a minimum of four years old. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, this is, yeah, this is amazing.
1: Very good. Yeah. Amazing for sure.
0: Again, slightly dangerous because it's smooth and yeah. I mean, there's no you know it's so that's the I mean the first two expressions that we've had. I mean, even when you get to the single barrel at one fourteen, um, you know some of this stuff you get kind of that uh, you get kind of that that raspy bite on the back end, and and I'm get, you get none of that out of this, right? I mean, you you do get you know I I am getting. I get a little bit of uh, kind of that peppery spice on the back of this a little, but I I don't get it. It's not that alcohol, you know, there's no burn to this thing. I mean, it just it's like welcoming. It's like, give me more. Give me more. (laughs) (laughs) So what so these first two. So we we've uh, we taste the weeded and the straight bourbon. So was there any, like, I mean, did you kind of, well, let me, uh, hold on. So, so we went oh from, boy. we went from a startup and then we, we've gone to, uh, to a mature distillery and, and here we are, you, you get a job offer, you get a call, you can talk through that or not, that's up to you, but, but ultimately you, you make the decision and you elect to go to, um, uh, to old Dominic mm-hmm. and that's, and that's the transition, right? I mean, through and then yeah. now we're, we're at third and we're at home. So, so you make the decision to go there and, you know, when it's, and and it's a startup again, right. And, and and I, you know, and, and in a different side of life for me and on the business side, a lot of people are really all about startups, but most of the time it's like, hey, I want to get this thing started. I want to get it up and running, and once it's ready and it's and it's done, I'm out of here, right? I mean, I'm all about the. I like that kind of that instant gratification of let me let me build it, let's get it going, and then I'm moving on to another startup. And you know, you've kind of you've seen both sides now. And now here we are in Memphis, and and we're back to startup and and doing a hell of a job. By the way, we'll talk about labels and stuff like that in a minute. And what's in the glass is, is fantastic, but so you know what's what's the what's the Alex mindset of Yep, um, I'm ready to go build another distillery.
2: I am um, definitely not someone who just wants to do nothing but startups. <laughs> I, to be honest, when I was at Wild Turkey, I thought I was done. I thought that that was going to be that was my dream job, and I was just work moving up the ladder. Um, I had no intention of of going to a startup or anything like that. And just happened to get a message on LinkedIn asking me if I knew of anyone who would be interested in moving to Memphis to help start up a distillery. And it was just, for some reason, the prospect at that time lit something in me that I was like, okay, maybe I am ready to move on. Maybe I'm ready for a change even if just for a couple of years and then go back to wild Turkey or something, sure. um, to where it has been, it's been five years now. Um, phenomenal, but I do not want to have to do this again. <laughs> it is. It's been a very, very crazy, very long five years. Um, And you know, my, my whiskeys aren't even out yet. So to me, I, I am not going anywhere until those are out because (laughs) I have worked way too hard on those. Um, but I want to be there when, when we finally release them. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's been wonderful doing the startup, but I, I'm as far as I'm concerned, I'm in it for the long haul with old Dominic. I've been part of pretty much every aspect of developing the brand itself. Um, the logos, the labels. I was part of the interior design conversations for the distillery itself. Hmm. Um, So it's, while it's not my distillery, I feel like I have been a part of every aspect of it for so long. That it is my distillery.
0: Well, you've um, left your imprint now. I mean, the question that I just asked about the Russells and, and wild mm-hmm. turkey, I mean, you've now had an opportunity to do that on your own, right? So it's, yes. you know, somebody's going to eventually, right? You're good, you know, if it's retirement or whatever it is, somebody else is going to step in and somebody's going to be asking that same question of, you know, what, what, uh, you know, what, what, what she leave you, right? I mean, and, and yeah. what you get. Yeah, that, that's going to be a, that, that's an awesome story. I, I love that. Um, so when you when you when you came in right it's like hey we're gonna we're gonna fire up and we'll talk a little about the history or I'll ask you to talk a little about the history um, and and you know why, why is it old Dominic uh, where did Huling uh, station come from uh, if you're not from Memphis you probably you may not know that but when you accepted and you said hey uh, and by the way I guess LinkedIn does work so <laughs> there's, there's something there. Um, so, so when you came in and, and I'm sure there were you know the, and, and I've heard a few of your conversations, you know, I mean, they, you know, they definitely kind of gave you the grand tour of, of Memphis, et cetera, but was it, I mean, did you go in with the mindset of like, I'm going to help you build my distiller, our distillery, or was it, I'm coming in to, to make whiskey?
2: Uh, a little bit of both. I, I definitely didn't expect actually to be as involved in all aspects of the build out. I didn't realize I was going to help Pick out stuff for the tours and whatnot. Um, it was more of I just thought I would do production. I would help finalize all the equipment and do the installation commission, um, and then do the liquid development of products. Um, everything else was completely unexpected to me, uh, but a bonus. I I thoroughly enjoyed doing the labels and like our gin. That label was me and our creative director just. What does your gin label look like? and that's what we have. Um, so it's it was unexpected to be so involved, but it has worked out perfectly for me.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah, so I don't know if it's uh, do you have lit what, yeah this is a, so is there limited distribution of specific products to uh, at retail?
2: Uh, To an extent, yes. So like the wheat that we just tried, we only have so much wheat um, that we produced in our first production run at MGP. And then we, for whatever reason, waited a couple years before we did another one. So we have to make those barrels last until the next one comes of age. And so our wheat and then, the next one, the blend are gonna be somewhat limited. So we have not released them in all markets because of the limited volume. Mm -hmm. Uh, The single barrel, we just started the single barrel selection program in 2020. Uh, And so that was heavily focused on Memphis for Mm -hmm. the first part of the year. And then we finally hit a couple other markets at the end of the year. Um, So we definitely have not seen the single barrel hit all of our markets. We're working on changing that this year, but it's definitely been, been limited. Uh, And then the other products just kind of depend, you know, we're about to do toddy. Well, does toddy work in Florida? Like it would in the cold state, you know, (laughs) things like that. So it, it kind of depends, but for the most part, our core products, that red label bourbon, our vodka, our gin, we, I'm pretty sure they are, if we're in a market, you can
0: get those products. Cool. Uh, I'll, I'll have to look at, for the gin because I'm I'm in Atlanta and I can. Oh, you have it. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I, <laughs> I gotta, yeah, maybe it was just the store didn't have it or it was sold. I yeah I don't know. But I, I didn't see it uh, when I was uh, the past couple times I've been there. But I'll have to check and see. I am. If I'm not drinking, uh, you know, brown spirits, uh, I'm definitely going for uh, for a stone. we we got to have a vermouth con- ver- vermouth. I'm, I've written it down. We got to have a vermouth conversation before we get out of this. So so hold on. So we we got to we got to do uh, we got to give you give um, give the distillery it's due. So if you want to share like the uh, uh, a snippet of the old Dominic story, it's all over the website. You can definitely you know you can get into more and in, in more detail. But um, but but why you know what's the old Dominic story, if you will? and then the uh, healing station.
2: Yeah, so Old Dominic um, was a whiskey brand, founded back in 1866 by the founder of our parent company. Um, the parent company is De Canale Company and the founder is Domenico or Dominic Canale. Um, so when he decided to do whiskey, he did what a lot of people did at the time and just named it after himself. <laughs> and so he called it Old Dominic um, and unfortunately prohibition happened. So the brand um, went away just like so many others did and uh, dominico passed away before repeal and so our main champion for the brand just wasn't there anymore and so uh, the company didn't didn't bother to bring back the whiskey after repeal um fortunately for us the business continued uh non through all of this just with other business ventures and in 2013 our current president who is um the great-great-grandson of Dominico decided to bring back the old Dominic brand um, and decided to do it with an actual distillery. Dominico never distilled anything. He just bought barrels and brought them down to Memphis and bottled them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so our our current president decided it was time for him to create his legacy. It was time to bring old Dominic back um, in a really big way. And so that's when they decided to build a distillery in downtown Memphis um, with the, the line of whiskeys um, and we opened the doors in 2017, filled mm. our first barrel in 2017 and we'll actually release our first whiskey in 2022. Mm. And we were the first whiskey distillery in Memphis since Prohibition.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah, nice. It, with it, so lots of law changes and with it, was there restrictions and limitations, I guess?
2: Yeah. Um, in Tennessee as a whole, you weren't allowed to have a distillery outside of three counties. Uh, you can guess what distilleries yeah, right. those were, were shaped around. George, <laughs> Dickel, Jack Daniels yeah. and Pritchard's. Yep. Um, and so no one apparently cared to change that law until 2009. Um, and so finally, they got it changed where every county in the state allowed distilling. Um, and so that kind of also helped spark the interest in in doing a distillery in Memphis. Um, but other than that, why we didn't have you know distilleries because we don't even have record of a whiskey distillery in Memphis before Prohibition. Oh wow! Uh, not to say there wasn't one; we just we haven't found anything. <laughs> not, not a legal one. Right? Exactly. <laughs> um, so that's 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 how we got to today. And Healing Station is actually our way to pay homage to Dominico. Um, the history of DeCanali is pretty much all almost on one street in downtown Memphis. Um, his uncle's business is diagonal to today's distillery. I mean, it's you can see it from our front door. Go down the street a little ways and you get to a building on Hewling Street. And the building at the time was called Hewling Station. And that is actually where Dominico bottled all Dominic whiskey before Prohibition. Oh nice. And so we wanted to name it that. And if you ever look at the front label of either the bourbon the wheat or the blend, not single barrel. Uh That black label made this design impossible. If you look at the front of the label, you'll see a dark building behind the words, Huling Station. That is Huling Station.
0: Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I, I've drank the other two bottles I have. <laughs> uh, j- just so you know, I got a lot of bottles, and I, those <laughs> those went pretty quick. So, um, but uh, oh, and, and there's a uh, there. I don't is I don't know if it's a rooster or a chicken. I guess it's a rooster. It's right? a
2: rooster. It's a rooster. <laughs> so, um, part of what also started the um, revitalization of the brand was they found a bottle of what was called Dominic Toddy and it was still sealed it was solid um, still had wax on still had liquid in it and on that bottle were two little chickens and someone who wasn't even working for the all the bottle saw the label and pointed at it and said well those are dominicker roosters no one on our team is, they're not farmers. They they don't have a clue about chicken breeds. So they had no idea. And this guy points out that they're Dominica roosters. And so they start researching these roosters and it's, I believe it's the oldest breed of chicken in America. They're super hardy, you know, and it was one of those things like, now we understand why there are chickens on this label. It wasn't on accident. It was, they did it intentionally because of dominic oh sure um, and so we decided we had to. We, everyone needs a mascot so we had to keep the the rooster around um so we gave him a makeover uh made
0: him look a little cooler than he did on the original labels uh, and we his name is nico
2: oh, nico okay.
0: nico yeah, or hey he could have been a waylon jennings fan because uh <laughs> it, he sings about a lot of dominic or hens so uh, it, it, that's way before the time. So now I'm, I'm with you that it's, uh, that, that, it, that it's, that uh, it's, Dominico. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, think the, the bottles, um, so were you, did you have anything to do with the design of the bottle to go square versus uh, traditional round? I mean, did,
2: I was definitely a part of those conversations. I think I blocked most of those conversations from my memory at this point. Because um, you have to think, by the time we were ready to de- like look at Healing Station, we had designed the two vodkas, we had designed the toddy, had even sort of ventured down the road of designing our state-produced whiskeys. Um, so there was a lot going on. And then we finally had to get to Healing Station. And it was like, what do we do with this? Uh, I mean, we just, we wanted something that was different. We wanted it to stand out, mm-hmm. um, and we had kind of determined that we just we liked the clean the clean lines. And up to that point, with the exception of the toddy, our bottles had that that flat shoulder, right. and we kind of wanted that to be our thing. Cool, sure. And so we also narrowed our search to bottles that had that that flat, sharp shoulder um, and ended up settling on that bottle that weighs, I think, like six pounds, <laughs> something, something absurd.
0: Well, you, if it slips out of your hands, it's probably not going to break on the first drop.
2: It does not break. <laughs> it does not.
0: I can tell you. I think you have to make an effort to make it break. Let me put it that way.
2: You do. I don't know how many of those I have seen fall like from a bottling line or someone else. i have never once seen one
0: break nice <laughs> that's funny uh, let's see all right so we're so we're we've gone uh, we've hit wheat we've we, uh, we've hit straight i'm thinking think we're gonna go for the blend of straight, right
2: yep yeah so the the blend of straight whiskeys, uh, came about because I would actually get samples from the wheat barrels and the bourbon barrels from MGP. And I would be in the lab and, and taste through them. And it would be like three barrels worth of each side, six glasses that I was tasting through. Well, I didn't want to waste the whiskey. So I didn't want to dump it down the drain, but I also didn't want to carry six glasses back to my office because people stare at you funny. <laughs> and so I, um, started combining them into one glass and realized I liked the flavor hmm. and managed to convince my team that it you know was a smart move to actually make this a product. And so through various taste tests, we developed, we determined that a 50 50 blend of the bourbon and the wheat was the way to go. Um, and then again, hundred proof, we, we seem to like our hundred proof on yeah. most of our whiskeys, um, and again, get your, that money, was, get
0: your money's worth, eh? A, yeah,
2: and it just it that proof just seemed to allow all of the right aromas, all the right flavors to really just come yeah. out and meld together.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, now that you mentioned. Uh, so I, I haven't had this one before, so I don't know. Is this? Uh, can I buy this in the store? You think? Yes, should, should be able to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's. I mean, it's exactly as you described. I mean, it's that kind of that that honey get a little bit of oak on it, but then it's, uh, still get the, uh, I'm actually just pouring another little taste of these two, because I mean, it's, I mean, no shit. It's just like you blended these two together on, on I mean, it's exactly that, which is fantastic. Yeah. It's really nice.
2: And with this, I was hoping wheat whiskey to me is just, it's an introductory whiskey. If you find bourbon too bold, too intimidating, you should be able to try wheat whiskey and kind of get your palate more acclimated to whiskeys mm-hmm. And to me, this blend kind of almost takes you one step further. So you're comfortable with wheat whiskey. Now let's inch you towards bourbon. And so let's give you this product that has all those great things about wheat, but kind of, kind of kicks it up a notch and gets it a little closer to the bourbon world.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's almost like the wheat's kind of put this in. It's kind of toned down to me. It's kind of muted the vanilla. Well, I shouldn't say muted. It's almost kind of elevated the vanilla into a um like uh like a a cake battery kind of or or maybe mm-hmm. the spices in there. It's like a, a combination. I'm not getting a single uh you know just a single expression out of this. I mean, it's it's really uh yeah, this is this is a beautiful whiskey.
2: Yeah, this one's fun cuz the higher proof also means it's really fun in cocktails.
0: What
1: do
2: you, you make do with it? what's your favorite things with it?
1: What's your favorite to make?
2: I, one, I'm a lazy bartender. So I don't, <laughs> <make any. laughs> I my go to, um, especially if it's a new bar, I judge a bar based on an old fashioned.
1: Okay, good.
2: Yeah. So if it's the first time I'm going somewhere and it's not just, you know, a place that you get Miller light at or whatever, I will test them by getting their old fashioned, um, and I, I, I will judge them based on how their old-fashioned is. Uh, but I also, I love Manhattans. I, I really like the classics, but I also really enjoy going somewhere, sitting down to, you know, a special cocktail menu with off-the-wall concepts
0: um the 12 step cocktail or 12 touch cocktail yes, the things
2: i absolutely will never make myself but you know if if they're able to to really balance the flavors and you still taste your spirit i i'll drink just about any cocktail you put in front of me
1: <laughs> that's why she's on the show cal <laughs> spoken like a
2: professional
1: <laughs> so do you have a favorite that you've been to um somewhere in the US for a manhattan that you that one stand is uh, one stand out
2: um, I always liked, them um, um, at bluegrass tavern in Lexington. That was kind of our, our go-to right. place when we lived in Lexington, but I also really, and it's not because it's the best Manhattan ever, but I really enjoy getting Manhattan at the Peabody hotel. Okay. Cool. Here damn. in Memphis, oh, yeah. just it's the overall
0: experience of mm-hmm. it,
2: and it, it is a good Manhattan. It's solid, mm-hmm. um, nothing fancy.
0: Just yeah, When those ducks come by, I mean, it's like, how can you be like, damn, this is this is fun. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs>
2: exactly. It's it's the whole
0: thing.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: Uh, so you, you hit on cocktails a little bit. So uh, and I, I was uh, I was checking out. So there's something unique about your uh maybe not distillery but the bar and the setup that you you have to do everything in house so so you 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 go to uh, you're, you opened up a distillery you go to a, a mature distillery and you got kind of some <laughs> you ventured into some different spirits at Turkey and now you're coming into uh, what I would say a whiskey distillery right even though you're making some other uh, clear yeah. spirits and now you got to start making other stuff. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So, a um, couple years ago in Tennessee, a law was passed that allowed distilleries to serve cocktails, do liquor by the drink. Sounds great. Kentucky had just passed something very similar, but Tennessee likes to make things a little bit more difficult and said that in order to put alcohol in that drink, every drop of that alcohol has to be produced on site. Oh wow. Um. So you can't just go and buy someone else's abs- absinthe to make a Sazerac. You have to make your absinthe. And my boss, had, the, the president of the company, has this you know, vision in his mind that we will be a bar, like a real bar, real fancy cocktail bar, which means we need all those things. <laughs> right. and, uh, so we start the process of trying to figure out what that even means. And someone wrote up a list of the various spirits that they would like behind the bar in order to make every cocktail. This is, this is what you need to make. I I didn't even recognize one of the the products on the list. I had never, I had never heard of it, let alone tasted it. (laughs) But I took my list to one of the liquor stores in town, got a shopping cart and just started loading it up with all of these different products because I, I never sat down and tasted most of them on their own. You know, I I'd, I'd had Fernet, yes, I'd had Campari, yeah. but you know, I think I'd had one absinthe on that's, its own. That's it.
0: Um. Well, and number two, why would you?
2: Mm. Yeah, exactly. An orange carousel. Who sits and just drinks orange carousel? You don't. <laughs> I don't know.
0: That. I, don't, I don't want to call people weird, but that's a little, it, it's, it's unique if you're doing that.
2: Yeah. And so I had to go buy all of these things and just sit there and taste them, trying to figure out what the heck was even in them. Um, and there were a lot of Google searches, a lot of Google searches to figure out um what most people said were in these products and like we needed to try and make Campari. Well, Campari, I actually got to tour their facility in Italy. I know that it's, was it 20 or 30 different botanicals, I think. right? And there's not one single person alive who knows the full recipe. They split it up they have people way different botanicals. Like it's, it's very isolated. So you can't find a recipe <laughs> for it. Um, uh, so there was a lot of just guessing on it and a lot of trial and error. Um, but yeah, so in-house strictly for the distillery, um, we make, um, uh, absinthe, aqua V, we have an, uh, just a very traditional Amaro, a fernet. um, orange carousel, and then a bitter, what we call bitter orange. And it's, it's our version of
0: Campari. Hmm. And was that, um, was that a learning curve kind of, I mean, you just explained that it, that it was, what is it, is it like completely different from what you were doing or it was just a new experience?
2: For me, it was completely different because it took such an understanding of botanicals I got you. and the flavors that they did and how, taking one particular ingredient and macerating it. So just letting it soak in the liquid produce a very different flavor profile than distillation. Mm. And so trying to figure out to create that product, which one are you doing? Are you doing maceration or are you doing distillation or is it a combination thereof? Um, And I'm not a cook. I, I am terrible with that kind of stuff. And so for me, it was very interesting taking things like cumin, and, and figuring out how to use it, what quantity to use it in, like there were some V uses cumin as well as um, caraway. I don't. I don't use. You, you don't, don't use. I don't, I don't, yeah. You don't use those in whiskey production at all, and so I had no clue what I was doing when I got into that product. And I can tell you, those first couple batches were horrible. Hmm. They were just <laughs> nothing but fennel, nothing but caraway, like just. Awful because I had no idea how strong those flavors were going to come out in sure. the end until I did it.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I, I I haven't actually heard that, and I mean I don't know if it happens elsewhere. I mean, I'm, people are dabbling in kind of different things, but typically if you're going down that road, right? It's it's uh, you. I'm am I'm a, I'm, I'm a winemaker, right? And and I'm kind of venturing off into some of these things, but to go from uh, from whiskey to, you know, the absinthe and the other things. I mean, that's, that's not way that's not too far off base. Right. But when you start going down a road of a, of uh, if you want to call it an aperitif or a cordial or, you know, whichever direction you want to go. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that, that's a little bit foreign, uh, distant, very distant cousins, uh, to say the least. Right. So, uh, so what about vermouth? You're, you're making some vermouths and are you a fan or are you making them just out of necessity?
2: Well, so right now we're actually even making vermouth because I have not successfully figured out how to do it. Um, so the issue we run into is vermouth is wine based. Yep. So there are legalities around a distillery acquiring wine. So there's that hurdle. <laughs> well, Most people sell wine by the barrel. If you use vermouth, you know that you don't use a lot of vermouth at one time, Right. which means I'm not going to use a lot of wine at one time. So what am I going to do with a barrel of wine? Um, so you also have that issue. Like, I just, I don't need that much. Um, and then typically with vermouth, you also have a fortifying spirit. Yep. So it's very typically brandy. I don't make brandy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So, so no, no vermouth yet.
2: So what's so my fortifying agent? Um, you know, we tried, we had a, a barrel of rusted vodka at one point long story on that one but we actually tried to use it as a fortifying agent for a test batch of vermouth and it just it didn't work because it just didn't have the flavor yeah and the viscosity that brandy brings to the final product
0: yeah i mean the cock, it probably just broke down in the cocktail and you just lost it completely right i mean you had yeah. maybe alcohol to it but you didn't get anything other than yeah exactly yeah. So I'm still
2: working on vermouth. It's, I'm not there yet.
0: Well, <laughs> if you, you know, if you get some, if you get something and you want a taster, I, I, I would love to. <laughs> I mean, if, uh, you know, but time I'm, I'm in Italy, it's, uh, that's my first thing. It's like, uh, you know, it's like, eh, give me, give me a coffee and a vermouth, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> not many people drink vermouth on its own.
0: Yeah. But well, that is one that I can actually do, you know, is, uh, yeah. Uh, all right. So we're moving to the single barrel, which is, uh, I don't know, we're, I'm going to talk about what's your favorite in a minute and I'll, I'll share. And I know it's different time. It, it, you can't, it's like, what's my favorite today or my favorite right now. Right. I mean, there's, there's not a favorite, but uh, I, I guess I'll have some questions as we, once we get through this about, uh, you know, kind of how you, how you, why you made the, why you made what you made, even though you, you shared. So, so walk us through the single barrel if you don't mind.
2: Yeah, so the single barrel is uh, the same product as that, that straight bourbon, the red label. Um, just instead of six barrels, it is literally just one barrel. Um, and this one, uh, this product goes in the barrel at 120, so that's how we're, we're hitting like 114 proof, mm. which is pretty much what we've been averaging here lately has been in the 114 to 116 range. Yeah. Um, And when I evaluate a single barrel, I try to come up with different barrels. I try not to just be like, Oh, I only like, you know, toffee and chocolate. So those are the ones I'm going to qualify. I try to come up with really different ones. So occasionally I try to get super oaky or super cherry or, uh, but also I look for complexity. I don't like one note, single barrels. I don't, if it is just a cherry bomb to me, that's just not enough. Use that in a blend to enhance others. Um,
0: So I'm still getting just that, I mean, that honey profile that you guys have on that, just on every approach to this. And it's not, um, I'm not getting that uh, kind of that maple syrup. I mean, I'm actually getting like honey. Yeah. I mean, no doubt. I mean, it's kind of light golden. I don't know. I'm I'm picking up a little bit of cherry, but I'm kind of getting some cherry, oaky. Uh, I kind of get a little bit of cedary kind of smoke. Maybe I I guess you could call it a cigar boxy kind of kind of note on there.
2: I always typically on the, the bourbon, I always get like cinnamon and cinnamon candy on a lot of them.
0: Uh, yeah, what's the little bitty uh, – so you go to the theater and you get the little bit – not the theater, you get them at the store, like the tiny little uh, candied cinnamons. Not the cinnamon discs, but the really small little round ones. Yep. I, I, yeah, I, I can definitely get that. Okay. Now I'm gonna, it's going to bug me because I can't think of what that
2: candy's
0: called. I know, but you know what I'm <laughs> talking about. they like the I super do. tiny little uh, – yeah. <laughs> not. I mean, there's other – there's like uh, – there's Red Hots and there's, uh, there's the little um, – uh the tamale things that that's not it it's the little bitty tiny chewy things that are yep
2: (sighs) this one finishes really dry for me it's a really dry finish
0: you know i kind of get heat like in like mid mid uh, like mid swallow
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then yeah the finish I would say it's a little short if that's uh, mm-hmm. you know medium to short on the finish maybe that's what yeah. you're calling dry. I would yeah. say I get I still get it in my mouth like it's my mouth is coated, but yep. the finish just kind of uh, you know its it, it goes away, which it's yep. like again scary because it's like, okay, well, we're ready for more <laughs> <laughs>
2: It doesn't linger. So you don't realize,
0: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, but that's the thing. I think that honey note that I get on all of these things so far, I mean, I, I think it's that that's the kind of the, the opening or the, the, uh, the salutation, if you will, that kind of says, Hey, you know, come on in and, and, it, and it, and it's not intrusive. It's it's, uh, and it's even more inviting. I mean, once it goes all the way through and it's like, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll take more of that because, you know, there is nothing unpleasant about the visit.
2: I like that. It's good.
0: It's inviting. Yeah. This is, um, yeah, at at 114, I mean, you could definitely, and and most of it. So here's what I would say most, well, I shouldn't say most, a lot of single barrels at, you know, 100 and, you know, mid teens proof or above, it's, you know, you might get something attractive on the front, but then, but then it's kind of overpowering all the way through. And this is, there's nothing about this in any fashion that's overpowering. I, if you're like, Hey, I've never tried whiskey before. I, you know, or bourbon, I, uh, wh- what are you setting me up? I don't know that I would definitely, I don't know if I'd push this in front of them. It, it may, <laughs> may scare them a little bit, but you know, if it's like, Hey, I'm looking to try something that, you know, maybe I didn't like something with a big, heavy, extra rye punch on the back end. I mean, this doesn't have that. I mean, it's like, yeah, it, everything is very clean and crisp mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and all the way through. Yeah. It's nice.
2: Yeah, we actually did a single barrel last year, 2020, um, to raise money for the hospitality um, employees in Memphis, and one of the barrels was 120 proof. Mm. It did not drink like 120 proof. (laughs)
0: It's like you're scratching your head. It's like, I don't know if I can put this out there or not. This could hurt somebody. Oh, it was so good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the fun thing. I mean, and I think the interesting, I mean, yourself and, and others, you know, in, in the industry, I mean, you know, you're really getting to a point to where you're putting, you're putting, uh, you know, the uh, the ingredients together that are really able to deliver um a high proof pleasant experience versus i mean if you go back go to the tennessee days like where i'm from right i mean if you you want high proof you get moonshine guess what yes. it uh, it smells like shit well, it smells like, <laughs> like corn it tastes like shit and it burns like hell yes sorry about the language <laughs> but i mean but that's what you get right and but, and no. there you go and and now i mean you know for, as a craft and and that's kind of where i was talking earlier in the you know when we started is you know going from you know craft to uh, you know, to a mature, you know, back to a craft and kind of, you know, what you're doing is I I think it's, uh, I I think it's just, uh, yeah, you you got some good stuff. I can't wait to taste uh, what you put in the barrel. Mm,
2: Yeah,
1: exactly. Me
0: either. Uh, We just
2: sampled the four-year-old Tennessee and it's, it's very nice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now you're just bragging. (laughs)
2: You no, know, we were just excited. Um, we were hoping to release our Tennessee whiskey this year because it's four years old. Um, like I said, it, I've always told everyone I'm gonna the barrel's gonna tell me when it's ready, and I was very, very pleased with it um, when we tasted it. Not that long ago. Yeah. It, I'm so excited to see what one more year does um, because we kind of got forced into pushing it a year. We ran out of warehouse space mm. and we're shut down for about a year, so we are delaying the release to try and bridge that gap. Um, so, yeah, after tasting it of four years, I, I cannot wait to
0: see what one more year will do to it. Nice. That's exciting. Yeah, that, that's awesome that you, uh, I mean, you get to see it right from the floor up. So, yep. you know, it, and the other cool thing is, I mean, you've got a story behind it, right? I mean, not only your story, but I mean, the story behind the label. It's not like a, uh, eh, what's on the, sh- what labels are on the shelf? I'll take that one and what's the story? Let me go and build it up and make something of it. I mean, you've got some family history there. That's, uh, yeah, it's really awesome. All right, so we may be over allotted on time. So I hope we have a minute to go through um, through the hot toddy. I'm sorry, the Memphis toddy. Memphis toddy. Everyone calls it the hot toddy. It's, I, I know. it's like well, and after I've already had four—not four glasses, but four uh, four samples—you know, it just kind of rolls off the top. But Memphis toddy—I mean, I can roll it. it; it'll roll with it. So you want to, and, and if you're uh, if we're over um, if we're over allowed, you know, you let us know, and you can no, uh, take us down. So because if that's the case, I'll go back through all four of them. And then, you know, we'll just keep <laughs> no, 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 just kidding. So so uh, and you're you can tell the story, but this was, um, the Memphis toddy was kind of the old family recipe just to set the stage. And, and this is like, you know, Hey, we're, we're going to rekindle this brand with, with this bottle. And if you want to, depending on how much time you got, you can tell the story or not. Um, but I would, I'd like to get your take on, Hey, we're going to redo this. And how did that go? And how did you remake it?
2: Yeah. So I guess it was in 2013 when they discovered that bottle of Dominic Tati that was still wax sealed um, and decided to crack it open and see what it was. Because there are, from what we can tell, we cannot find any records of this product um, as far as recipes go or anything. We just have old advertisements um, and old ledgers that definitely look like they have ingredients that would go into this product. But... They cracked it open. I believe someone actually tried it. I did not. (laughs) This liquid is black.
0: how How old do you think the bottle was?
2: It was before prohibition.
0: Oh, wow. Like I said, yeah, n- all 90, down, 90, 80, 90 years, right?
2: Yeah, pushing 100 years um, by the time they find this bottle. So I'm not touching it, but <laughs> someone did. Uh, he's still alive, so he, you it know, must be fine. Um, but they decided to send that liquid to a lab in California to have it analyzed, to see if we can figure out what roughly the composition was. Um, and based on that analysis, we're able to come up with a list of botanicals. We could tell it was a bourbon base and they found, you know, the botanicals that went into it um, and kind of off of that analysis is we just started going and started doing just batch after batch um, using someone else out in California to kind of help us with that development as well. And uh, finally, and I came in to the team um, kind of in the middle of the process. So they, they had done a lot of the legwork and I just had to kind of fine tune it and clean it up. Um, but it was, you know, how much cinnamon do you do? And so we would do three different batches and one would be nothing but cinnamon. So we'd veto it and have to pick one of the other ones. Um, it was, it was definitely fun trying to hone in on it because we really didn't have anything to base it off of. Not really. You couldn't just sample the old liquid and be like, Oh, nope, we're not quite there yet. There was no taste comparison. Um, so it was one of those, like, we want to pay respect to that product, but we can only do that to a certain to a certain extent. Plus, the consumer's palate and the consumer's desire for products is also very, very different than it was back
0: yeah, definitely different yeah.
2: before prohibition. So it's like, okay, well, we need to develop a product that actually appeals to today's consumer. Um, and so for us, we, you know, in the end, just wanted to come up with a super drinkable Cocktail in a bottle, basically. Hmm. To where the toddy, yes, you can mix it with things. You can, you. We've seen bars have so much fun make tiki cocktails with it. So uh, that's uh, that's a huge thing. A swizzle. We didn't see that. We didn't see that coming. We didn't realize tiki bars were going to enjoy the toddy. Um, (laughs) But for us, ultimately, we just wanted something you could pour into a glass, throw a cube into it, or heat it up, and that's all you had to do um so that's that's kind of where that product came from and it's one of those things most people are very um uh, standoffish when they first hear about it and you list all the ingredients but as soon as they taste it they go buy a bottle
1: so, very cool that's nice
0: yeah. I mean, I, I just, so I just popped the bottle and poured it and I'm, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, 12 inches away or so from the glass. And I, I mean, <laughs> it's it's <not>. like, <laughs> and, and I'm in I'm a Glen Karen, right? So, I mean, I, I but there's really no air moving per se that would be, but like just popping the bottle. I mean, it's like just a gush of just the aromatics that come out of that thing. I'm like, man, we're about, we're, we're a month or two too late for this one. I mean, this is, if you're, um, if you're, uh, if you're like a spiced punch person, like this is mm-hmm. spiced punch all day long. I mean, that, that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, for us, we say toddy season starts with the beginning of football.
1: Okay. College yeah.
2: football, it's fall, and then through Christmas, and even January, December, just because cold, cold months, you want something that'll mm-hmm. warm you up. Um, but no, I love when we make toddy, because it...
0: The entire distillery just smells like cinnamon and clove and all these spices. As I'm tasting this, so you said something early, right? So you walked into the um, you walked into the uh, the brewery and you got the smell and you're like, oh, this is off putting. No, no, I'm sorry. Let me back up. You went to the distillery as, as a teenager. Mm-hmm. and and you said that the smell was so off-putting and you know it's, it's interesting right and if you think about you know our taste buds and you know and how we taste and how we go some people you know sometimes you'll like apricots we were on last night with a dude and man he found apricots and something or apricots from um, originally. and i'm like i can never ever like i'm gonna go buy apricots and i'm gonna eat every damn one that's in the bag just so i can know because i can because to me they taste like nothing so maybe that means that I mean I'm saying it's a yeah. like there's I get the texture but I don't get a lot of like flavor out of, uh, uh, of an of an apricot and maybe that's because I'm buying them you know at the store maybe I need to go go and source it. He locally. said he off yeah.
1: the Delta vegan meal is what he said.
0: Oh yeah, he did say yeah the Delta vegan meal because you get the most interesting. <laughs> That's good over a glass. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would definitely pour that over a cube and go after, it. but there's like, so is it cardamom that I'm spelling? Maybe. Yes.
2: So I'm always amazed at how easily people pick up cardamom. I had very little exposure until we had to make the toddy, uh, but yeah, it's cinnamon, cardamom, clove, black pepper, as well as
0: orange, lemon, and grapefruit. Nice. I, I I can I mean now that you've labeled so I, I I got the grapefruit I got well actually I got the orange I got the lemon I didn't get the grapefruit but I'm getting it now because it's kind of the the sourness of the grapefruit is muted yep. but the uh, but it and uh, but the, the the sweet part like the pulp of the grapefruit is you can taste it. Yeah. I mean, very pronounced now that you mentioned it, like it's really. Uh, yeah. Well,
2: what's fun about the toddy is I've discovered at different temperatures, you get different flavors. Mm. So to me, at room temperature and even warmed up, the cinnamon and clove tend to take over everything. Yep. Um, but once it starts chilling, I think the citrus starts to yeah, take to it. Take, over. Yeah. Hmm.
0: So this bottle and are all these, uh, what are these, 375s? Yes. Or is it, maybe yeah, that's,
2: that's a, a three, sample bottle. That's a three, we we do bottle it in the 375.
0: Everything is 375.
2: We also do it in the 750. We did the 375 okay. for two reasons. One, because we thought tailgating, you know, old miss, hottie toddy. <laughs> <laughs> My family's gonna disown me for saying that. At this point. Heard
0: it heard it, heard it here first.
2: <laughs> uh, but we we thought it would appeal to the tailgating aspect of it. Um, for that reason, but also because people were so unsure of the product as a whole, there's not another toddy on the market. So when you see it, you just don't even know what it is. Um, and it's not the cheapest product, uh, because it is labor intensive, all the ingredients that go into it. And so that pint kind of allows it to be a little more approachable from a price standpoint and also from just a volume standpoint. Yep. you're you're a little more willing to to take a gamble on a pint than you are a 750
0: so i just opened this uh, so do i have to chug it all tonight or how long is it gonna what's the shelf life because I, 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 I didn't see a proof point i know but uh, i mean i could if we need to i can chug it right now no, no i'm just getting well actually i'm not kidding Most people once they open it it goes pretty quickly yeah right so but but i didn't see a proof point on it so is it is there is it kind of like a, a liqueur or such that you put it in the fridge and it's gonna just it's gonna hold up
2: So it's a, it's 60 proof. Um, but there is a lot of sugar in there
0: and we do use actual
2: botanicals as well. So over time, whether it's room temperature or in the fridge, it will start to settle. You will start to see things come out of suspension. Um, and all you have to do is just shake it.
0: Just give it a really good shake. But it's 60 proof. I mean, it holds up pretty much Forever, right? I mean, it's like any. I mean, yeah. vermouth and uh, yeah. As long as you're, all, you know, less, so.
2: as long as soon as you start to see that that sediment, that stuff come out, just shake it because that's all it is. It's the sugar that's just
0: wanting to come out of suspension, and it's those botanicals. I still want to go into like the shake it off song right now, but I'm not <laughs> going to shake it off. Shake it. <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, you him. brought it up. You brought it up. I'm I did. Fine. That's fair. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, no, I mean, this is uh, this is good, and I can see like, uh, again, like this is um, a tiki drink or a twizzle or a swizzle, excuse me, I keep saying twi- uh, swizzle, oh, like gosh. this is complete. Well, it's made
2: with toddy, so it's a twizzle,
0: twizzle, okay. exactly, a twizzle, exactly. Thing. Hey, <laughs> hey, trademark, trademark. <laughs> All right, we've kept you. You've stayed on with us and been uh, been too nice for us. Uh, we we can't let you go yet, though. We got uh, got a few more questions. Um, well, hold on. First off, is there anything? That, did we miss anything? I'm actually going to go back to. I'm going to have these uh, this the straight rye rye and the wheat while we're talking to do a little comparison. So, uh, what did we miss about Old Dominic and Alex Castle?
2: Um, with all Dominic, I think we hit everything. Um, we're, we're hoping to be able to reopen our doors because, of course, the pandemic, we we stopped full tours and tastings for, for quite a while. Um, we've resumed curated tastings, so you can still come and do a tasting. Um, but we're hoping to be able to actually open, open the doors and open production up to the public in April. Um, we feel like we should be in a good place at that point where okay. we can do that without... Putting any, you know, putting the production staff at risk or anything like that. Um, so hopefully we'll be a little more back to normal by then.
0: Cool.
2: Um, and we've got, you know, hopefully to kind of make it worth it, and make up for 2020. We've got some really fun distillery-only releases um, that will scatter throughout the year under the R&D product line that we have. Um, kind of an extension from the, all the cookies bourbon that we released in, in 2020.
0: <laughs> I heard that was really good. So
2: there's a 2.0 oh. coming, It's at some point this year. So
0: I guess I got to get to Memphis. Eh? Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, Cause that was, it was a really popular product and I, it was one of my favorites. So that's the brewery made that beer again. So we took the barrel back again. So
0: b- before you jump from that and you, uh, you answer my question, I just want to get it on the record. So barrel finished yes or no
2: barrel finished. so what it is um we gave barrels to a brewery mm-hmm. they had super a lot of fun created a bunch of crazy beers um and put in the barrels and asked me when it was time to dump those barrels asked me if i wanted them back i'm not huge on barrel finished bourbons but sure let's try it. And, uh, because they <laughs> let me sample the, all the cookies beer and it was so good. I was like, we got to try this. We got to see if it's going to work. <laughs> and it did. So we put our chilling station bourbon, um, back in those barrels and the, all the cookies was only in there for two weeks. And it, it picked up all of those oatmeal raisin cookie notes. Oh wow. Um, now we have another one that you it thinking about going, hmm?
0: You going to go a little longer next time or you're going to, you going you gonna to stick with that time frame? So
2: we're going to see because they changed the recipe a little bit um, on the second round. And so it's a little more raisin and a little more cinnamon um, mm. than the previous batch. Cause we actually just tried it at the one week mark and it, it is absolutely picking those up. Um, so we'll evaluate it at the two week mark and see, see if we fit the sweet spot. I do really what I would love is to have two barrels going at one time so that we could do one at two weeks and then do one longer. Um, But they're just not producing that much. So we'll, we'll play that one by ear. Um, But we also have a a coffee infused chocolate stout barrel. Um, So we've got some of that going for this year. Um, And then I'll just getting back out in the market. We launched our gin in March of 2020. So it, didn't really get much of a launch
0: (laughs) find find it or get it rumbling around the liquor store kind of thing right
2: yes um so that was that's our focus this spring is to give our gin the launch that it deserves
0: so you are a fan of finished bourbons then or finished whiskeys
2: i am i am
0: i am cool all right, so I know Dan's got some. Uh, he's got some Memphis questions for you. These, these are uh, rapid fire.
1: I don't have many questions, Cal. It was mainly like you know, Memphis is known for barbecue, right? So where where are you sending everybody that comes into town?
0: Dan, she's a she's a vegetarian. Oh, great! Well, she's still gonna send them somewhere. <laughs> It's, oh, yeah,
2: I still have to have recommendations. Yeah. No, thankfully, I am not a vegetarian. Um, so it depends on what you want, but my go to is Central Barbecue. They have okay. amazing ribs, their wings are delicious, their smoked turkey is hmm. the best in the city. Um, so that, that's my go to, but
0: one and only barbecue is pretty, pretty good too.
1: Oh, nice. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Thank you for saying that. Uh,
0: so, is there any music going on down there right now? Oh, Lord, no. <laughs> yeah, no so, every, everything's shut down pretty it's, much, right? I, I think
2: some of the Beale Street bars are finally allowed to do live music, um, yeah. but that's just recently been allowed to restart. And, like, I know uh, Memphis in May, they've already announced that the Beale Street Music Festival is not happening in mm, 2021. Yeah. Um, so, it,
0: yeah, still not a whole lot of live music going. So, so Lexington, Kentucky to Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, but, and, you know, you can answer dishonestly or honestly, <laughs> it's your choice. But uh, I mean, are, are you like, uh, hey, I, I can get into this or is it like culture shock and, you know, and, and I mean, Lexington, Memphis, I, Maybe similar kind of similar cities, but know.
2: both cities have that southern southern feel to it. Yeah. Uh, it was a little weird getting to Memphis because Memphis moves very slow with a lot of things. Uh, so we left Lexington with I don't know how many breweries they had. Because my husband and I are craft beer drinkers, and so I only tons of breweries. Plus, our, we actually originally from Cincinnati, so ton of breweries Man. in Cincinnati. And we get to Memphis. Memphis is a very large city, mm-hmm. and there were like three or four breweries, and that was it.
1: Wow! Uh, yeah,
2: so it was that. a little shocking to see just how. I almost hate to stay far behind Memphis was, but in a way that's, that is how it is. It moves so slow that it sometimes feels like it's, it's behind the times. Um, but that also means that we've been able to watch it grow because in the five years that we've been here, I think we've more than doubled the number of breweries in the city.
1: Mm, cool. Yeah, cool.
0: Nice.
2: So we're getting, we got to experience the growth in Lexington of that city and really see it come into its own. And I really do feel like we've been able to do that same thing in Memphis. And it's you know it, I'm Kentucky by birth, but I'm Tennesseean by
0: choice at this I know. point. I see. I see. You got a big M. Go blue behind you. So <laughs> that,
2: that is my husband's. He grew up in Toledo, and okay. so he's a Michigan football fan. And.
0: <laughs> he insists on hanging the flag. Right,
2: gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: What's, so so every everybody can actually wear blue. I mean, you can wear blue. He can wear blue. Memphis is blue. It, it may be a different shade, but, uh, but fortunately
2: the Memphis blue is so very like, uh, Memphis blue is very similar to Kentucky blue, which is good because for the first four years, I refused to wear anything that said Kentucky. Because they were still so very, very angry at Coach Calipari.
0: Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, yeah, football, yes. basketball, basketball, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, look at them this year. Uh, they uh, I, this may be the first time Kentucky has been unranked in ever.
2: Oh, ever. ever. I'm pretending <laughs> that the basketball season just doesn't happen this year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. uh, Alex, we've uh, you, you've been so generous with your time, and thanks for sharing with us. Uh, I mean, I could sit around and talk all night, but I'm sure you got better stuff to do than talk to us. So. Uh, what I would say is uh, if you haven't tried Old Dominic Huling uh, Station and that damn hot toddy, Hottie toddy, uh, toddy. Uh, yeah, toddy. Memphis Toddy. I know. Yeah. Hottie Toddy. Memphis <laughs> Toddy. I know. Now she got me confused with the whole. It, anyway, uh, the Memphis Toddy, it's, uh, it's outstanding. Uh, yeah. I've got uh, I got some recommendations for my, my kinfolk up in East Tennessee. Uh, we've, yeah. we've, got a new, uh, we've got a new punch coming uh, for the holidays for sure. And, uh, yeah, there's nothing that I've had that I wouldn't uh, drink again or buy for a friend. So Valentine's Day is coming up. Buy your significant other a good uh, good drink, right? Absolutely. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Alex, it's been a pleasure.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Cheers. Cheers.